We are continuing our study tonight in the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. And this is, believe it or not, our eighth week together. So it's hard to believe we've been doing this for eight weeks now. And so before we really jump in, I want to spend just a minute and really, really take a look at our foundation again. Make sure we really understand what we're looking at when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Make sure that we are still standing on solid ground. So the fruit of the Spirit is found in Galatians chapter 5. We'll go ahead and read beginning at verse 16. Verse 16, he says, I say then walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to one another, so that you don't do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the the works of the flesh, they're obvious. And if you look in the news, you look all around you, each of these things you see all around you in the world today, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things as I've warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, we've been saying all semester that the fruit of the Spirit does not represent a checklist that we are to look at and to compare ourselves to and to try to make sure we have all these things. This is not a guide to becoming a good Christian. This is not something that we need to try to accomplish. And why is that? Because in our own strength, we do not have the ability to produce the fruit of the Spirit. We do not have what it takes. On our own, the best that we can do is the works of the flesh, what Paul talks about, the works of the flesh that we just read about. When we rely on ourselves, that is what we will get every single time. Now, we are all producing fruit in our lives. You don't have a choice if you're producing fruit. It's not something that you decide to do or decide not to do in a day. Every day, your actions will produce fruit. The question that you have to answer is this. What type of fruit are you producing? Are you producing the fruit of the Spirit, or are you producing the fruit of the flesh? Jesus said in Matthew 12, 33, either make the tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make the tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. The way that you live your life, the choices that we all make, have a direct influence on who we are and on what happens to us in life. See, if you invest in your flesh, the Bible says that you will reap the fruit of your flesh. But if you, re, uh, if you invest in the Spirit, if you walk by the Spirit and invest in the Spirit, you will reap the fruit of the Spirit. Paul wrote just a few verses after the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 6, 7, and 8. He says, don't be deceived. Don't trick yourselves. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Paul says here that if you, re if you sow according to your flesh, you will get the flesh back, and it is death and it is destruction. 
But if you sow to the Spirit, you will get the Spirit back, which is eternal life. So what are you going to choose to, to sow to, your flesh or to the Spirit? The Bible says here, don't deceive yourselves. God is not mocked. There is nothing that is hidden from God's eyes, and you are not getting away with anything, even if you think you are. Because the truth is that God knows what we all do, even when nobody else does. Even more, God knows what we think, and God knows the intentions of our hearts. And all of those things directly result in how we are sowing, if we are sowing to the Spirit versus the flesh. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.13 that no creature is hidden from God. But all things are naked and they are exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So don't be deceived. God is not mocked. He says here that you will reap what you sow. There's no way out of that. You can't trick the Lord. You can't hide anything. You can't live one way and expect to reap the opposite. You will reap what you sow. You can't trick the system. But here's the thing about fruit. It does not grow overnight. Now, I think the Lord intentionally uses the analogy and the illustration here of fruit of the Spirit because fruit often takes a long time to grow. When you watch it grow, sometimes it seems like it's never actually going to get there. The vine will start to grow, then a flower will bud, and then eventually, slowly, fruit will begin to appear. This last year after, after uh, the fall season, we had some pumpkins at our house and the kids painted it for the fall, and, and when they were starting to, to rot, my wife took them outside, and they busted them in our backyard just to look at the inside and just to, to have some fun with the pumpkins. Well, a couple months later, uh, we started to see this weird plant growing in our backyard, and we have now harvested, I think, eight pumpkins from the, the pumpkins that we smashed in our backyard, which saved me a ton of money this year not having to buy pumpkins. We got some really good sized ones, but we watched that grow and you see the vine and the vine sat there forever and we thought that nothing would come from it. And then eventually we started to see some flowers. And then seemingly overnight, we started to see these pumpkins that were growing and they are continuing to grow even now. We have two out there right now. I'm not sure one of them's going to make it, but we got two out there right now. But when you watch it, it takes a long time sometimes for fruit to grow. And I believe it's the exact same way in the spiritual life. The fruit of the Spirit is a process, and it takes a lifetime to grow. Now, that's frustrating sometimes because when we walk with the Lord, we want to immediately overnight begin to do everything the way we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do it. We want to immediately die to our flesh and live according to the Spirit. But even Paul throughout Scripture talks about how he does the things he doesn't want to do, and he doesn't do the things that he wants to do, and he's frustrated by that. But the reality is, is that it takes a long time for fruit to grow. And that can be said of any of the aspects of the fruit here listed, love, joy, peace, so on, but especially true of the one that we're looking at tonight in faithfulness. You see, faithfulness is measured not in a moment. Faithfulness is measured in a lifetime. The word for faithfulness and faith in Scripture can be translated in lots of different ways a lot of times in faith, you'll see it uh, believing or faith or faithful, but you'll also see it as constant and trustworthy, honest, permanent, steadfast, and firm. See, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are meant to be in it for the long run. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon that the Lord has, 
has placed us on, and we must be faithful to the end. It doesn't matter if you come in and you make a splash and you're able to, to do things that are impressive. It doesn't matter if you're able to come get the Christian lingo down and check the boxes of the things that you're supposed to do at church. The fruit that you will bear over a lifetime is what will truly reveal faithfulness in your life. And you are only faithful if you are faithful for a long time. Nobody's faithful for a day. You are faithful over your life. Now, thankfully, the Lord gives us grace in the midst of our mistakes because in the midst of our faithfulness and as we grow in faithfulness, we will make mistakes. There will be days that we don't do what we're supposed to do. There'll be days that we do things that we're not supposed to do. But just because we make a mistake, that doesn't mean that you aren't faithful and that you can never be faithful and that everything is a race. So listen to what scripture says about the way the Lord views our sins when we repent. He says, I am the one. I sweep away your transgressions for my own sake, and I remember your sins no more. So in the midst of, of us seeking to be faithful to the Lord, we will mess up, but the Lord gives us a way to Cleanse from all unrighteousness, the scripture would say. Psalm 103, 12 says that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So just because you mess up, it does not mean that you cannot be considered faithful in the eyes of the Lord. Now, if you continually walk against the spirit, if you are continually walking away from the Lord, then that will reveal a life of unfaithfulness. But even when we mess up, when we continually to seek after the Lord, the Lord calls us faithful. My oldest son is named Asa. We named him after King Asa in the, in the Old Testament. He was a good king, and he really followed the Lord. But at the end of his life, he chose to not trust the Lord. As a result, he died. He got a disease, and he died. But you know how the Bible refers to him, what the Bible says about Asa? Is that his heart was fully devoted to the Lord all the days of his life. See, even in the midst of a mistake, the Lord continued to allow Asa to be, say, to be said that he followed the Lord, he trusted in the Lord with all his heart all the days of his life. He's fully committed to the Lord all the days of his life. You see, the Lord looks at things differently than we do, and I'm grateful for that. See, often we look around and we see failure and we see mistake, but the Lord looks at the heart. In the same way that Samuel was told to anoint King David, he said, no, it's not all these other brothers that are tall and strong. It's the little ruddy one. It's the little small boy, the runt of the family. And it's because God does not look at the outward appearance like man does, but he looks at the heart. So we will not become faithful to the Lord in a moment. But I'm also grateful that in a moment we do not lose our faithfulness either. The Lord is able to sustain us and to create faithfulness in us over a lifetime. So what does it mean to, to be faithful? What does faithfulness actually look like in our lives? The three things I want us to see through, throughout Scripture of what the Bible teaches us about faithfulness. The first is this. The Lord is our model of faithfulness. The Lord is our model of faithfulness. What I mean by that is this. If you want to know what faithfulness actually looks like, you must look no further than the Lord himself. As we said all semester, the fruit of the Spirit does not originate inside any of us. It originates from the Lord. And when we walk with the Lord, he produces the fruit in our lives and we begin to look like him. He will produce his fruit in our lives. It is not our fruit to bear. It is not our fruit to produce. It is his fruit 
that he chooses and allows us to produce, and he does through us. As human beings, we've talked here before about how God has put his image inside each and every one of us. He, of all the things that God created, all the animals, all the planets, the stars and the waterfalls and the trees and the, all the beauty of, of creation, God chose one element to put his image in, and it was human beings. So each one of us was created with the image of God inside each of us, but when we have a sinful nature, the Bible says that that image was not destroyed. It's still there, but it, looks, it doesn't look the way it, sh- it was supposed to look. It has been distorted by the sin in our lives, and at times it's left almost unrecognizable in certain areas of our life. But when we walk by the Spirit, the Lord is restoring His image in our lives. The Lord makes us look like Himself by producing the fruit of the Spirit, by producing His fruit in our lives. So we want to know what God looks like. He looks like love. He looks like joy. He looks like peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-goodness, and self-control. That is what the Lord looks like. And so when we look for a model of faithfulness, we look only to the Lord. There's tons of scriptures I could pull 10 times as many as I did easily in terms of talking about the Lord's faithfulness and who we know the Lord to be in scripture, but I pulled just a few for you to, for us to look at together. Lamentations 3, 22 through 24 says, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. Now, if you look up in the first 21 verses of, of chapter three, Lamentations is a book of Lamentations. He's mourning. He is sad. He's not in a good place. In the first 21 verses, he's talking about all the ways that he's hurting, all the ways that he is despairing, all the problems in his life. But he comes to verse 22. He says, but because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. We sang that just a few moments ago. Great is thy faithfulness. In the midst of whatever you have going on, it is very easy in our lives if we take the time to trace the Lord's faithfulness in our lives. King David said at one point, I've been young and now I am old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's children begging for bread. If we open our eyes, it is clear that the Lord has been faithful to us. Even in the midst of sorrow, even in the midst of hardship, the Lord is faithful Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13 and said, this saying is trustworthy. You can bank on this. You can take this one to the bank. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Here's an idea of sowing and reaping. But if we deny him, he will also deny us. But listen here. If we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. What Paul is saying there is that God doesn't just contain an attribute of faithfulness. God is faithful. Every moment of every day, God is faithful. He cannot be unfaithful because he cannot deny who he is. The Lord is faithful. We talked a moment ago about how sometimes we'll we'll mess up and maybe we feel like we've been unfaithful to the Lord because we have fallen and we've not done what he told us to do. The Bible says, for in those moments that if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, the Lord says that 
If you mess up when you confess your sin, he will forgive you. He will wipe it away. He will take it and cast it as far as the east is from the west. And he will forgive us and allow us to move on with him. One more, it says, 2 Thessalonians 3.3, The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and he will guard you from the evil one. That's a promise that we can, that we can claim and that we can hold to, that the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen us. He will never give us over to the enemy. And you say, well, that was written 2,000 years ago, some of that much, much earlier than that in Lamentations. So how do we know that that is still true today? The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, the same as he is today, and the same he will be not just tomorrow, but forever. Because God cannot deny who he is. The Lord is faithful. And the Bible says that he is our model of faithfulness. And when we want to know what faith looks like and what faithfulness looks like, all we have to do is look to our Father, and he will show us what it means to be faithful. And as we trust in the Lord and as we walk according to the Spirit, it is his faithfulness that he bears in our life. Now, you see certain people in life that may not be walking with the Lord, but they they appear to be faithful in certain areas, and you say, well, how can they bear the fruit of faithfulness if they're not walking according to the Lord? There's a difference between human faithfulness and God's faithfulness. And there's faithfulness that we can, we can contribute, but I tell you, it is not the real thing. When you really dive into the Lord and receive the fruit of the Spirit from the Lord, he will produce his faithfulness, the real thing in our lives. Second thing I want us to look at is this that our faithfulness begins with faith in God. So the Lord is our model for faithfulness, but as we want to produce the fruit of faithfulness in our life, it begins with our own faith in God. Now, like we've already seen and talked about tonight, in our own ability, we do not have what it takes to produce lasting faithfulness in this life. We can produce something that might look like faithfulness here and there, but in how God looks at you, true faithfulness, true faithfulness only comes from the Lord. If you don't believe that, Jesus said this in John 15, verse 4 and 5. Jesus said, if you remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. Jesus is saying that a, a branch that's been cut off from the vine, you never see it bearing fruit on the side of the road. It is only when a branch is connected to its vine that it has the ability to bear fruit. Neither can you unless you remain in me. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him, it is he that produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. I've said before that that to me, I think, is one of the most offensive statements that Jesus ever made. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Because a lot of times we think, yeah, I can do something. You know, I may not be able to do the best, but there's something that I can do. But Jesus says, no. Anything you do apart from the Lord, any faithfulness that you might try to produce, any love, joy, peace, anything that you try to produce in your own ability, the Bible says, Jesus said, it's nothing. It's going to be burned up and thrown away at the end of the day. It's only what we produce in the Lord that means anything in this life. So if you want to produce faithfulness in your life, the Bible says that it starts with our faith in God. We must learn to abide in Jesus and allow him to produce faith in us. 
Now, the importance of faith in God, believing God, cannot be overstated when it comes to our walk with the Lord. In fact, without faith, the Bible says that we can't even know God. It is through our faith that we have come to know God, and it is our faith in God that leads to salvation. You guys know this verse in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that says is by, we are saved by grace through faith. It's not for ourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. See, God has given us everything that we need to walk with him, but we must accept it in faith. Do you want to produce faithfulness in your life? I know I do. Then you need to do, know what God says, and you need to believe him, and you need to follow him. So often we claim the name of Christ, and we, we do certain things, and we show up to church occasionally, and we do this and that, but we don't actually believe the Lord enough to do what he actually tells us to do. You know, so often we're in a situation where we know we're supposed to pray, but something came up. We have an excuse. We know we're supposed to read our Bibles, but we know we're supposed to share the gospel with lost people, but we know that God has called us at times to even fast, but there's so many opportunities in life where we know what God has called us to do. And the question is, do we have the faith to know what God says to do and to, to do it, to obey him. Jesus said that if you love me, you will keep my commands. So the question is, do you really believe the Lord? Do you truly have faith in the Lord? And the Bible says that if you do, you will do what he says. You will rest in him and he will produce the fruit through you. Do you have faith in the Lord? And I'm not just talking about do you have faith in terms of were you saved that's absolutely important and the absolute first step of faith that we have as believers. And if you're here tonight and you've never taken the step of, of faith and trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please do not leave without coming and talking to me. I'd love to tell you what it means to follow Jesus and to have faith in him. But faith in the Lord does not stop at our salvation. Every day we must have faith. And the Bible says that in order to follow him, in order to obey him, in order to please God, we have to continue to have faith. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The Bible says the Lord is our model for faithfulness. And if we want to know what true faith actually looks like, we need to put our faith in that model. We need to put our faith in the Lord. And he has offered to produce that very faithfulness in each and every one of us. Where does it start? Faith in the Lord. Do you trust that Jesus will produce the fruit in your life? Or do you sometimes find yourself believing that maybe you can do it better on your own? Maybe you check a few boxes here and there, but when it really comes down to it, you're not really willing to trust the Lord and to wait in him. I want to tell you that the only way you will have any lasting faithfulness in your life is with faith, if you have faith in the Lord, if you truly trust in the Lord and have faith in him. We read this just a minute ago, and I want to read it again. Remain in me, Jesus said, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me.
So our faithfulness begins with faith in God. The third thing I want to see, look at tonight is this, and the final thing we'll look at, is that our faithfulness displays through obedience to God. So we see that our faithfulness begins. If we want to walk faithfully before the Lord, we cannot do it if we do not have faith in God and go to the Lord and trust in him that he knows what's best and that he is able to lead us. But that's not enough. The Bible says that we then have to hear what he says and obey the, what he tells us to do. Our faithfulness is put on display through our obedience to God. As we hold up the mirror of faithfulness tonight, and we ask the question whether or not we are producing this fruit in our lives. Here's the question we're asking. Are we actively listening to the Lord and obeying and following Jesus? Are we abiding in him? Are we listening to his voice? Are we being faithful to do what God has called us to do? You see, faithfulness isn't just about you. God doesn't call us to be faithful just so that one day he can give us a trophy for being as faithful as we possibly could. The Bible teaches us that God has a purpose for our faithfulness, and it's so that he can reach other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ as well. Paul wrote to, the, to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, that what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, you are to commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He's saying you need to find those who are faithful. You need to teach them. You need to invest in the faithful because they are the ones who will go on and continue to teach others and that will take the gospel beyond themselves and to other people all around them. You have been entrusted with the gospel. That's a fact that so often that we neglect and we don't really think about, but the Lord has entrusted you as his ambassador, his messenger of the gospel. He has chosen you to tell this world the truth of Jesus Christ. And the only way that we are faithful with the gospel is if we are letting it spread through us. If we keep the gospel to ourselves, then the Bible says in reality, we are not being faithful. We are meant to commit it, be committed to be faithful and to teach others also. I read this quote from Robbie Gallaty. Robbie Gallaty is the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. In one of his books, he says this, that the gospel came to you because it was going to someone else. And what that means is that God never brings the gospel to anybody in order for that gospel to be received by that person and to stop right there. The gospel was brought to you. You were saved so that you could reach people and your influence with the gospel. The gospel came to you because it was going to someone else. The question is, are we going to be faithful to take that gospel with us and to spread it? We have been given a responsibility. Will we be faithful with it? I love the way Paul talks about this with the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 4, 1, 2. He says, a person should think of us as Christians in this way. This is when people think of Christians, this is what they should think of. As servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. In this regard, it is required that managers be found faithful. I think that's my favorite way in all of scripture that Christians are defined. Servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. Now, I appreciate that because that means that not even Paul understood all the things about God that are in the scriptures and that we're told and that we're taught. There are mysteries of God that we just can't understand, but the Bible says here that we are managers of those mysteries. 
He goes on to say that you are only truly a messenger, a manager, if you are found faithful. See, somebody that is a steward, that is a manager, that is not faithful with it, is not much of a manager. There might be an embezzler, they might be slothful, they're, they're not really managing what has been given to them. But as a manager of the mysteries of God, the Bible calls us to be faithful with it. And if we're going to be faithful with the gospel, we must proclaim it to those around us. So one of my favorite verses that talk about salvation come from Peter in 1 Peter 1, 10 and following. And he says this, and what he's talking about here, and I'll explain it as we go. What he's talking about here is that we have been given an incredible privilege and an honor in receiving the gospel. And not only have we been saved by it, but we have the opportunity now to spread it. And I don't think we realize how much of a gift that is to us today to have been revealed the truth of Jesus Christ through the gospel. He says here, concerning this salvation, concerning the gospel, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to come to you, they searched and they carefully investigated. So you look at the prophets in the Old Testament, you look at Isaiah and Jeremiah and Samuel and all these prophets of God. They were carefully looking and trying to understand the salvation that was to come. Now they knew from prophecies and really from the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, what we see that the Bible says that a Savior is coming. Like Pastor talked about on Sunday, the curse would be reversed. They knew this was coming, but they didn't understand how it was, and they were carefully and diligently investigating and searching for the answer. They inquired into what time and what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. What he's saying there is that the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit that was inside these prophets, he was giving them words and telling them of things that were to come. You see this clearly in Isaiah, who talks about a man of sorrows. And all throughout Scripture, though, you see time and time again prophecies of the coming of Christ. And they were inquiring, when's this going to happen? What are the circumstances? What's it going to look like? And they were trying to figure it out. I like to think about it this way. You ever put together a, a big puzzle, maybe a thousand, ten thousand pieces, a huge puzzle? The only way you're able to put that together is with the picture on the front of the box. Now, what these prophets were doing is they were given puzzle pieces, but they didn't have the front of the box. They didn't know what it was going to look like. They didn't know how these pieces went together. The Bible says that the Lord would give them a new puzzle piece, and, and they would look at it, and they're they look at these other pieces that they got and they're trying to figure out, do these go together or are these, these separate? And they're carefully investigating how these prophecies go together, trying to understand the coming of Christ and what it would look like. But it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but they were serving you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. See, at the end of their lives, the prophets were searching the scriptures and, and searching the, the prophecies that they were given, and they were trying to put together, but at the end of their lives, they realized that it was not for them to know. And they passed it along to the next generation, ultimately passing it along to us. And now we, the prophecies have been fulfilled, and we have a clear picture. We have the front of the box, and we know what the puzzle looks like, and we're able to see how all these pieces fit together. See, the Old Testament prophets would have given anything to hear the truth of the gospel the way that we've heard it today. They longed for it, and they would have not believed it because it is so much more wonderful than they had even imagined. 
And the Bible says that even the angels long to catch a glimpse at these things. But it wasn't for the prophets of the Old Testament. It wasn't even for the angels to look at. But it was for us. So here's the question. Are we going to be faithful with what's been given to us? You see, if I was the Lord, and I think we're all glad that I'm not, but if I was, I absolutely wouldn't trust us with the truth of the gospel and the spreading of the gospel. You see, he's got legions of angels who, in a moment's notice, with one word, would go down every street of this world and share the gospel with everybody that they saw. They would faithfully do it. But the Lord did not allow that. He did not choose that. He chose us. So the question is, are we going to be faithful with the gospel? Now, I'm going to get in all of our faces just a little bit, but to be fair, I'm getting in my own face as well. If we are not actively sharing the gospel with those around us, then we are not being faithful with the gospel that's been given to us. See, the gospel was not given to any of us just for it to stop with us. The God, God gave us the gospel and salvation was brought to us so that we could go and share the good news with others. Listen to the words of Jesus right before he ascended back to heaven. He said that Jesus came near to the disciples and he said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, a lot of times you see there, go and make disciples. A lot of times when we talk about making disciples, we're talking about meeting with a, maybe a discipleship group and, and we're going deeper and we're reading scripture and we're memorizing scripture together and we're getting deeper in the word as a group. But when Jesus says make disciples, he means actually make disciples. Make people who are not currently disciples, make them disciples. What does that mean? You're talking about sharing the gospel and winning people to the Lord, and then he says, teaching those people to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always. How can we do it? Because he is with us always. He is faithful to be with us, even to the end of the age. We call those words the Great Commission. It's what Jesus left us to do. But if we aren't doing what he said for us to do, how can we pretend that we are faithful to him? So, what's the answer? Because I'll tell you that I am not nearly as faithful in sharing the gospel as I ought to be. It is very embarrassing a lot of times, the lack of the witness that I'll have on certain, certain times. But what's the answer? Are we just all unfaithful people with no hope? Absolutely not. The answer to the question of faithfulness is the same that we looked at in all aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Are you walking with the Spirit? Are you walking with Jesus? Are you abiding in Jesus? If so, you can trust that he will produce the fruit of faithfulness in your life. Do you find it hard to share the gospel? Then maybe you just need to get out there and, and, and be faithful to the Lord and do what he's called you to do. But I tell you this, the more time you spend with the Lord and the more you allow him to produce the fruit in your life, the more that you will be able to be faithful to do what God has called you to do. Because in our own strength, you might as well go home and give it up. We cannot be faithful to do what the Lord has called us to do in our own strength. So tonight, if, if the Lord has pointed an area in your life where maybe you're not as faithful as you ought to be, don't beat yourself up. Don't just use it as an opportunity to go home and think, woe is me, I'm not, 
I'm not as good, I'm, I'm a bad Christian, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. That's not the message tonight. The message tonight is that the Lord will build faithfulness in your life if you allow him. And what do you need to do? You need to abide in him. But here's the thing, it's fruit. It doesn't grow overnight. Now, there are certain things that we just need to do because the Lord commanded us to do. And whether we feel like it or not, that's not an excuse just to, to wait until the Lord makes us feel like it. That's not at all what I'm saying. But I am saying the more that we walk with Jesus, the more he will produce faithfulness in our lives. He is the gardener, and he is a good gardener. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to prune. He knows how to fertilize. He knows how to water. He knows how to grow. And so when you walk with the Lord, he will produce fruit in your life. Let him grow the fruit of faithfulness in your life. You can try to produce it, but it won't be the real deal. It's just counterfeit. It won't last. If you want true faithfulness, then spend time with Jesus. Abide with him. After all, Jesus said, apart from him, you can do what? Nothing. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your faithfulness and the model of faithfulness that you have given us. Lord, we confess that in our own strength, we are woefully unfaithful. Lord, so often we neglect what you tell us to do and we take the easy way out and we take the lazy way and we invest in our flesh and so often we reap the result of our flesh, destruction and death. And Lord, we think we can do it on our own and we try to do it in our own strength and sometimes, Lord, we just don't believe that, you, that you'll produce it in us. Maybe we lack the faith, whatever it be, Lord, I pray that you would produce the fruit of faithfulness in each one of us. Lord, we do believe, only help our unbelief. We want to walk in faithfulness with you, Lord. We want to walk according to your spirit. We want to abide in you. Help us to do that, Lord. And we thank you in advance for the faithfulness that you will grow in our lives. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be managers of the mysteries of God, Lord, that you have given us the opportunity to be your servant and an ambassador, a messenger for the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that we would be found faithful in this life, that you would place people in our lives and that you would teach us how to share the gospel with them and give us the faith to do it. Lord, I know so often the enemy even will lie to me and deceive me and convince me that they don't want to hear the gospel, that they don't need to, that it's going to be awkward, it's going to be an uncomfortable situation. But Lord, I pray that I would be willing to share the gospel regardless of how it might make me feel. Lord, that I'd be willing to share the gospel no matter what circumstances I find myself in. Lord, that I would be a faithful steward, a faithful manager of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that as we abide in you, that you will do what only you can do and abide and bear fruit, produce fruit, grow fruit in our lives. Help us to be patient with the Lord. Help us to not get discouraged when we don't get it right. And we thank you for your forgiveness when we mess up. But we thank you for your promise that you will bear fruit in our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.